0: Uh, welcome everybody to all of our campuses, meeting throughout the Twin Cities today. Glad you're with us. You made it to church. Way to go. I also want to welcome those of you who are watching online today, wherever you might be around the country and world, watching a computer, on a phone, on a television, wherever you might be. It's always glad to have, always great to have you with us as well. And I, I am so glad that you're uh, with us today because today we start a new series called The Invitation because God invites every single one of us into a personal Relationship with himself so that we can experience his love and friendship and presence every single day in our lives. But I want to start with a question for everybody to think about Have you ever lost something in your life that really mattered to you, like your wallet or your keys or a pet? And then what did you do when you realized that something was lost? Several years ago, I traveled to Brazil to mentor a pastor. Uh, We were helping there, and we'd become very good friends. So Nelio said to me, he said, Pastor Bob, when you come to Brazil, we must go to Rio de Janeiro together, and when we are there, you must buy a Speedo to wear on our beautiful beaches. I said, Nelio, I love you like a brother, but I would not be caught dead in a Speedo. He said, every man in Brazil wears a Speedo to the beach. You must wear one, or you will look like an American tourist. His wife Flavia said, yes, Pastor Bob, you must get a Speedo, you will like it. (laughs) So against all wisdom, against all reason, I went and bought a Brazilian Speedo. Now remember in Genesis when Adam tried to cover himself with a fig leaf? (laughs) Are you ready for this, children? Cover your eyes. Here we are on Coca Cabana Beach in our Speedos, right here. My daughter took that picture. She couldn't bear to look either. Awesome. That's just unbelievable. Uh, Meg was 15, by the way, when she took that photograph. It was her first time traveling internationally, so she was in culture shock to begin with. And this just sent her over the edge. But I've told this story before to, to some of you, but contrary to some of the ads that you see about Rio, it's actually a very dangerous and dirty place. I mean, garbage all over the beaches in the water. There's open prostitution right across from the hotels. Pickpockets and assaults happen frequently in broad daylight, so you never walk alone in in Rio de Janeiro. But right after Meg took that picture, I wanted to take a run. I wanted to go running. I'd been sitting on my butt for three days, jet lag, and as a runner, you just got to get those endorphins moving. I just had to go running. We were down on the main drag, and this is what it looked like uh, at, at Rio, typical day in Rio de Janeiro, and there were thousands of people just crowding all around, and I was nervous about leaving my daughter, and I said to Nellie, I said, I said Nellie, what about Megan? Is, she gonna be, is it gonna be safe for her if we go on a run for her to wait for us to come back? He said, no problem. He said, we'll just run that way. Meg can walk in the same direction. We'll meet her on the way back, and I still was nervous. I pressed him on it. I said, I said, Nellie, I don't know about this. I'm really nervous about this. He said, she'll be fine. She'll be fine. We'll just run a couple miles and come back. So we took off and left this 15-year-old girl standing all alone, thousands of miles away from home, never traveled before, and within seconds she disappeared into this sea of humanity, and I lost sight of her. It was quite possibly the dumbest thing I have ever done in my life. And three minutes into it, I just panicked. I said, nelio I've got a bad feeling about this. I've got to go back. And I had thoughts of somebody singling her out, kidnapping her, never seeing her again. So we spun around and my panic turned into this wild alarm as I craned my neck and scanned the crowd for just one person who mattered to me more than anything else in the world. Any sight of her walking our way. A couple of years ago, I was reliving this event with my daughter. And I asked her if she remembered that day. And she said, yes, why did you leave me? (laughs) Like you knucklehead. I said, I know. It's the dumbest thing I ever did. Ran through the crowd. A few minutes later, somehow spotted her. And I I just bolted for her. I hugged her. I kissed her. I held on to her. I vowed I would never do something so stupid again in my life. Because when someone you love is lost, you will do anything to find her and save her. The reality is most of us will never lose a child physically by abduction or a friend. But all of us risk losing somebody we know for all eternity. All of us have neighbors. All of us have friends or maybe even family members who face eternal separation from God and from us who are believers unless they are invited into a relationship with God and they accept that invitation. It's why we should all live with kind of an urgency to reach those we care mostly about who are far from God because the only thing worse than being separated from somebody on earth is to be separated from them for all eternity. You know, the thing God cares about, the thing this church cares about more than anything else is leading as many people as we can to God who loves them and wants a saving relationship with them. And I just want to call a quick time out here and ask a rhetorical question. Don't raise any hands or shout out loud. But is anybody here in our campuses or watching online, anybody here feel disconnected from the God who loves you? the God who created you knows everything about you and wants a relationship with you if you feel disconnected from God, you should know that God is looking for you today. God is craning his neck and fighting through the crowd noise to try to get to you in any way that he possibly can. One of the most famous stories in the Bible is in Luke 15, and, and Jesus is telling three stories, back to back-to-back, to back, rapid fire. Luke 15, He tells about the lost sheep and a lost coin and a lost son. and he's trying to describe to his listeners what God is really like. And in these three stories in Luke 15, something is lost and it really matters to somebody. The lost sheep really matters to the shepherd. The lost coin really matters. To the woman and the lost son really really matters to the dad and Jesus tells these three stories back to back to back becomes because some religious guys had criticized him for spending time with sinful kinds of people and so Jesus turns to these religious critics and I want you to see what he says as they're criticizing him for spending time with sinful kinds of people Jesus says to these guys he says look suppose one of you Religious guys. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he calls his friends and neighbors and says, Rejoice with me, I have found this lost sheep. Jesus, says, I tell you, in the same way, there is more rejoicing in heaven over one lost sinner who turns to God than over 99 righteous persons who haven't strayed away. He goes on. Or suppose a woman has 10 valuable silver coins and loses just one. Won't she light a lamp and search in every corner of the house until she finds that one lost one? And when she finds it, she calls all her friends and neighbors to rejoice with her because she has found her lost coin. Now remember, Jesus spoke these words to religious leaders because they were criticizing him for spending time with sinful kinds of people. In fact, right before Jesus told these stories, the Pharisees were thinking this, and you can see it in Luke chapter 15, the very first verse, verse one. The Pharisees were thinking, he welcomes sinners and he eats with them. He goes to church with them and then he eats with them. He welcomes sin. There's something wrong with me because every time I read this statement, I think of the old life cereal commercial. Remember this? If you're over 40, you remember it. And there's three little brothers and they've never tried life before. And so the two older brothers, they get the bowl of life and they say, I'm not going to try it and I'm not gonna risk it, let's get Mikey to try it. He hates everything, and Mikey, you know, takes a, a jab of this cereal and he loves it, and they go, hey, Mikey, he likes it. In fact, if you haven't seen this commercial, we wanna show it to you real quick, okay? at this stuff? Some cereal, it's supposed to be good for you. Did you try it? I'm not gonna try it, you try it. I'm not gonna try it. Let's get Mikey. Yeah, he won't need it, he hates everything. He likes it. Hey, Mikey. That's what I think about when I see this verse. He, He not only welcomes, he likes them. Hey, Mikey. He not only eats with sinners, he likes them. He spends time with them. He hangs out with them. Jesus actually likes sinful people. And it makes these religious guys just seething mad because they didn't think Jesus should do that. And what I want to do today is show you just two truths that I hope every one of us will sink into our hearts and it'll change how we view people, even sinful kinds of people. I'm telling you, this is is the heart of Christianity. It's the heart of this church. It's it's, It's what it's all about for us. So here's the first truth. Ready? Here we go. Jesus, get this, cares about lost people more than anything else. I mean, when Jesus tells a story like this, like we just read in the New Testament about the sheep and the coins, there's usually one statement that trumps everything else. And the statement in the lost, the shepherd's lost his sheep, he says, doesn't this shepherd leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one until he finds it? The lost, when he leaves the ones who are safe, and he goes, and it's the key statement in, in the story that when a sheep is lost, the shepherd will do anything to find it. And the woman loses her coin, and Jesus says, Won't she search every corner of the house and leave the nine safe coins and try to find the one that's lost? And Jesus' point to these religious guys is that God cares more about the one who is lost than the 99 who are safe and sound. What this means is that people who aren't sitting next to you in church today. It means the people who aren't watching online with us today. That those who don't have a relationship with God yet matter more to God than anything else. Now, now of course, God loves the 99 who are safe and sound. His point is not to devalue any of us who are in the 99. God loves all of us equally. And as a church, by the way, we are so grateful for those of you who follow the shepherd faithfully and follow Christ faithfully and never wander off. We thank God for those of you who serve and pray and give and make it possible for this church to be a place where lost ones can become found. But Jesus told these stories because the religious leaders of his day did not care about those who were lost. They did not care about those who were disconnected from God and messed up in their sin. All they cared about was the 99 who believed and behaved just like them. Now, I bring this up because the gravitational pull in most churches is usually toward the 99 and not the one. It's almost always to cater to those of us you know, who know where to park and know where to sit in the best spots and are a little put off if someone's sitting in our seat, right? doesn't take long for any of us to start thinking, you know, it's all about us. It's all for us and not care about those who God wishes was sitting in the seat next to us. And by the way, I'm the same way. The gravitational pull in my own life is usually toward protecting myself and serving myself and looking out for myself. And this might sound really wrong for a pastor to say, please don't judge me when I say this but because the gravitational pull in my own life is toward being selfish, I will sometimes avoid talking to people on purpose. (laughs) Please don't judge me for that. I'll be in a grocery store. I'll actually duck in the soup aisle to avoid talking to someone. I'm like, oh man, I'm an introvert. That's no excuse. But I am not big on small talk or on chit chat. That's why I'm not on Facebook or Twitter. Those things would just torture me. Uh, left to my own, I usually drift toward protecting myself, and which is why I have to push myself and take time for people who find, to find ways to connect with those who might be lost. So when I'm at the gym, I think about this. And I talk to Mike about his hunting shack and all the beer he likes to drink. I'd rather just work out. But as I've gotten to know Mike and I've taken time for him, I've actually really grown to care about him. And last Easter, he finally gave me an opening to invite him to this church. Mike said, boy, I bet your weekend's going to be busy. I said, oh, Mike, it's going to be really busy. You should come. He said, you're going to give away free beer? I said, no. (laughs) I said, but here's the deal. If you come, I'll buy you a six pack. That's the deal we have. It's taken me four years to earn Mike's trust, to let him know I'm just a normal guy who cares about you. And he's not there yet. But I'm not giving up because I've grown to love him and care about his family. In my neighborhood, you know, if I'm out in the yard with my dog Blue, he will see somebody coming a mile away and he'll start wagging his tail and, you know, getting all excited his whole rear end and like, chill out. But he wants to meet people. Kids will be two blocks away and I can hear him say, let's go see Blue. I'm like, I don't even know these kids. But they know my dog. And he is helping me make connections with people and it takes effort. And I've noticed sometimes I don't want to, but as I get to know people, I've noticed that my heart is getting softer and more open, and actually, I'm beginning to care for people and love them like Jesus does. And I realize some of you are new to our church. You, you've not seen my dog, so I just want to show them to you real quick. Cause I got to do that. This is so good. saying, come see me. Come into our yard, everybody. Actually, sirens just set him off. I don't know. It's the only thing he does that for, but it's, it's fun to watch. Anyway, where were we? Uh, four weeks ago, I, I was waiting for our baptism to begin, and this little 11-year-old girl came out of the crowd and walked right up to me. Never met her before. She said, can I hug you? Sweet as could be. She said, can I give you a hug? I, I just I want to hug you. And so I, I bent over a little and she gave me the most genuine hug. And then she said, she looked up at me. She said, this church saved my daddy. And I just, I just wanted to hug you. Because this church save my daddy. Her twin brother was with her and they were so excited. They were getting baptized with their mom and their two older siblings. Two years ago, they started coming to church, uh, but her dad refused and he was an alcoholic. He was angry. They kept inviting him to church. Finally, just to get him to stop inviting. He said, I'll come just this once. His wife Joanne writes these words to me a couple weeks ago. She writes, It was last August 2016, and the message that day was about people who'd been lost. Could have been any topic, but God knew my husband Luis was going to be there. During the message, she says, I saw my husband's eyes swell up, and he couldn't contain his emotions. At the end of the service, the campus pastor invited anybody who had prayed to receive Jesus into their life that day to come up after the service to tell him about that. She said, my husband practically ran up front to tell him that he had prayed the prayer. Since that day, Luis hasn't missed a service. He's listened to two years of back podcasts. I mean, I don't even listen to our podcast, but he's been listening to them. He's become a patient and loving father to their four children who are not his own. But Luis has said, God gave me these fatherless children so I could be a father to them. And Joanne said the change in their family has been a true miracle of God. And I want to show you this picture. I want to ask you, how valuable is this picture? How valuable is this mom, this dad, these two boys? How important is it for lost dads to become found? Imagine those two little boys growing up with a dad who's angry, addicted, wants nothing to do with God or church. Every boy needs a dad who will tell that little boy how much he loves him and how proud he is of him. Every little boy needs a dad who will lead him to church and set an example of what it means to live a godly life. Dads, I'm so glad you're here. If you're online watching, I'm so proud of you. Your son needs you if you have one. Every little girl needs a dad who will look at her and tell her how valuable she is, how precious she is to him and to God. And I'm telling you, gang, when that is missing in a little girl's life, she will often go looking for affection in all the wrong places with all the wrong people. So when this little 11-year-old Teresa hugged me and said, this church saved my daddy, I was struck all over again. Why Jesus said, I will leave the 99 every time and I will go after the lost one because when daddies get saved, families have a chance. When daddies get saved, little girls and little boys are so happy, they just gotta hug somebody. And I'm so grateful that most of you get that, that it's not about us 99 mainly, it's about those who've wandered off and are so lost, they don't even know it sometimes. For two years, Joanne asked Luis to come to church, and he refused, but she didn't give up. And he finally came, and he met Jesus, and it changed their whole family and their whole future. And I I raise this issue because some of us have invited people to church. You know what they've done? They've said, nah, not now. No thanks. Don't need it. And we're tempted to give up. And what I want to say to you is don't give up because God isn't giving up. Don't stop praying for that person, being kind to them, and you never know what God will do because God cares about lost people more than anything else. And real quickly, here's the second truth. God has no list. There's no list with God. I bring this up because the religious leaders in Jesus' day, they had a list, and on their list primarily were tax collectors and sinners. If you were a tax collector or a sinner, by the way, we're all sinners, but if you were a sinful kind of person, you were on their blacklist. You know, you listened to Garth Brooks and Eric Church too much. By the way, nothing wrong with that. Okay. But you drank too much. Maybe you slept in the wrong beds and cursed a lot. And so you were on their list. You were hopeless. You were written off. A couple of weeks ago, I got a chance to play in the 3M Pro-Am Golf Tournament. And I love that when I get a chance to do that. And the pro that was assigned to our group won't mention his name, but when he walked up to meet our group, first thing out of the gate, he just dropped about five F-bombs right there, right in front of me. I'm like, oh man, (laughs) this is going to be a long day. (laughs) And the very next thought I had was, Bob, this is exactly who God wants you to be with today. About halfway through our round, I think Somebody in our group actually tipped him off that I was a pastor. It totally ruined his golf game. He couldn't he could hit a straight ball after that of his life. I just ruined it. Not on purpose, but we had a great day together. And I think, I think our group had an impact on his life, but here's the truth about me. 20 years ago, that would have never happened. I'd have been so judgmental of his language and his character. I'd have been so dismissive. I maybe wouldn't have said something, but I sure would have let him know I disapprove because people like that were on my list. People who said words like that, I would write them off. And I would cut myself off from having a chance to express the love of Christ. Maybe their only hope, but I couldn't get past the sin. Jesus knew the Pharisees were mad at him for spending time with people who were on their list. But you know what? Jesus didn't have a list. He didn't have a list. And when that truth sunk into their minds, it shattered their whole idea of God. In fact, it was so scandalous to these religious guys that God didn't have a list that they started to conspire to kill Jesus for that truth. But I want to pause here and ask a very disturbing question. And it's disturbing to me. So I'm in it with you. Who's on your list? Who in your mind is so sinful, so lost, maybe doesn't behave, believe, or even vote like you, that you think there's no way God could love this person? Could be a family member, coworker, could be a certain ethnic group, religious group those who have a certain social or sexual viewpoint? Who's on your list? Gang, it's a tough question. I hate this question. And I also want to be fair, though. We, we tend to be hard on the Pharisees. We, we tend to be hard on them for being so rigid, but at least they knew right from wrong. At least they confronted sin and held up truth. God is not soft on sin, and neither am I. God calls sin what it is. Sin is destructive, God says. Sin leads to regret and loss. We see it every day in the news. Some of us see it every day in our family that sin wrecks marriages. Sin splits families. It damages societies. God says there are hard consequences for those who continue in their state of sinfulness. So God is not soft on sin and neither are we in this church. He doesn't water down the truth. But I'm telling you, there is a huge, huge difference between taking a stand against sin and hating those who commit it. All of us are called to take a stand against sin, our own sin first and then sin in general. But at the same time, we are also called to extend love and grace toward the sinner. And the problem with the Pharisees was that in their hatred for sin, they also hated the sinner. And they didn't allow for God's grace. They got the truth part right, but they didn't get the love part right. And Jesus comes along and he says, look, it's both. It's truth and love. It's taking a stand for truth, but it's expressing it in a loving manner. It's loving the person and not compromising your character or your truth. Jesus was saying that when someone is lost, God will go to any length to rescue them. He isn't blind to sin. He hates sin as much as you or I ever will, but it doesn't change his love for every human being who walks the planet. Most of you know that I love dogs, no secret. There's a special, and there's a special bond between a a man and his hunting dog or a woman and her hunting dog. So when my, my friend Scott's favorite dog turned up missing, it was really hard. And I felt it. Scott's dog's name is Billy. He's been missing for two months. I've hunted with Billy. It's a fantastic dog. Doesn't miss a mark. And of all the dogs Scott has owned, he says, Billy has all the attributes of a champion. He's smart, he's strong, and he's a cuddler. Billy likes to cuddle with me, Scott says. And that's so funny to hear Scott say that, because Scott is not a cuddler, i can tell you. (laughs) The day Billy turned up missing, Scott said, I had a pit in my stomach. And my biggest fear is I might not ever see him again. And so I sit and I wonder, was he hit by a car? Is he laying in a ditch somewhere? Was he attacked by coyotes? The day Billy showed up missing, Scott drove around for hours looking for and calling for him. He called the sheriff's office, Humane Society, all the veterinarian clinics, He alerted neighbors. He put up 12 signs all over the place. And then Scott said this. Even though it's been two months, the first thing I do when I get up every morning is I look across my field and I hope that I see Billy come running home. And every single day, God gets up and he looks across this city and he looks, looks across this great country of ours and he looks across the world and he, he's hoping that this will be the day when that lost one will come home. Every single day, God hopes this will be the day when another lost person is found. And maybe that's some of you today here at one of our campuses or watching online. Maybe you're sitting here watching and, and saying, you know, Bob, I, I think that's me. I feel a little lost. I don't experience the love and the joy and the peace that you often talk about—I think I believe in God, but I, I really—I I don't have a personal relationship with Him. Truth be told, and if that's you, Jesus would say, "Just come home." doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Just come home. Open your heart to me. I'll come in. I'll heal you. I'll never leave you. I'll be a constant companion. The Bible says that God stands at the door of our heart and he knocks every single day. And maybe today will be the day that you open your heart's door and let them in. Maybe you're not lost. Maybe you know Christ. But maybe you have a lost one in your family. And as soon as I say that, some of you are going, yep. Or a lost friend. And you're tempted to give up. And they're so annoying sometimes. And they irritate you. But don't give up. Don't give up. Maybe you've invited him to church a dozen times. But maybe the 13th time. They'll say, okay, I'll come. God cares about lost people more than anything. And frankly, so do we as a church. And so what I want to do is just close in a prayer for all of our campuses and those of you watching online. If you're here today feeling a little lost or listening, watching, I'm gonna pray a prayer for you. And this this can be your moment when you can be found and you can begin this relationship with Jesus Christ that we've talked about today. So let's just bow our heads, stay seated real quick, we'll be done. Father, thanks so much for uh, this teaching about the lost sheep and lost coins and lost son. Thank you, Jesus, that... In my lostness, you chased me down. You loved me in spite of my sin. You said, Bob, you're my son. Just let me in. Created you, loved you, let me in. Let me forgive you. Let me heal you and put you on the path of life and truth. So Jesus, thank you so much that you're in my life. I I just... It's the best thing I have going. And now if you're here and you would like to have that same reality in your life, Jesus living inside you with you, here's your prayer. You don't have to pray it out loud. Just pray it quietly. Before God, he knows your heart. He created you, knows everything about you. He stands at your heart's door knocking. Here's your prayer. Pray it sincerely, just quietly. Father, thank you for loving me like you do. Jesus, thank you for your offer of forgiveness. By your death and resurrection, you paid for my sin on the cross. The punishment that I deserve, you took upon yourself and you offer the free gift of salvation to me. And so right now, right here, Jesus, I am putting my full trust in you. I want to be found. So Lord, I'm opening my life to you right here in this moment, this prayerful moment. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I am a sinner. I need your grace. I need your love. Heal me. Speak to me by your spirit. And put me on a new path of life and truth and wholeness. I will worship you from this day forward. For the rest of us, we may have a person in our life or a neighbor or friend, and I just want us to pray for them right now, just quietly. Think of that person by name. And I just ask you to whisper with me that person's name. Just whisper. You don't have to say it out loud. But God, we lift up all these people that we know in our lives who are wandering and are distant and are lost. And I just pray, we all pray, God, for this person in our life right now. I pray that you will help us seize those opportunities to invite them to church, perhaps, or into a conversation. Give us courage and boldness. But most of all, Father, I pray that you will chase them down and grab hold and never let go. We pray this in Jesus' name. Hey, stay seated real quick. If you prayed that prayer of salvation and you have become found, I'm so proud of you. This is the first step. And we encourage you to grow in your faith. Keep coming to church. want to give you some materials. And really, this is all just to help you. 555, whatever the number is. Where is it? There it is, 888. So just text that, and we'll give you some stuff to, to help you grow. But hey, it's been great to be with you. God bless all of you online as well. Have a great weekend, everybody.